Next Wednesday, the 10th, the icon, Roger Waters, is coming to Nationwide Arena. This is not a drill tour. He brings it every time he's on tour, and he joins us live. Roger, how are you? Hello, Roger. Good morning, sir. I'm good, brother. How are you? Good. Is it okay when someone calls you an icon? Are you good with that? Yeah, of course. Why not? Yeah. Well, you're more important than the weekend. I've been watching those videos. You are so funny when that kid showed up with the sign, and I love these social media videos that you've been posting throughout the tour so far. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Looking forward to coming to Columbus. Is it uh, funny in this day and age compared to a few years ago? You you do an interview, and you know uh, the reporter. You you know you're talking to a reporter. You say, "Hey, I'm more important than this," and then you say other things though. No, nothing against Drake or the Weekend. And then all of a sudden, is the headline is just Roger Waters thinks he's more important than those guys. Without reading the rest of the article, it's a different day in journalism, isn't it? Yeah, it's called clickbait. Yeah, exactly. They have no, they none of these, none of these um, people who run stories like that. They have no interest in what the actual real story is, or what the real news, or what's really going on. They just want, they just want to create clicks so that they can impress their whoever it is, the advertisers or the or the bosses or whoever they're working for. Um, I did a long, uh, quite um, in-depth interview uh, with the guy about about the show. It was about a show in Toronto, actually, and it, and okay. I was trying to find out why none of the local papers have, had reviewed the show. I never really got to the bottom of it, but I think I think this bloke weekend, which is spelt wrongly, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he can't spell weekend. He can't spell his own name. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Don't get me started again, or I'll get into even deeper <laughs> shit. Anyway, uh, anyway, I wasn't saying, you know, obviously I'm not one to judge these people or what they do or what they don't do. I know very little about either of them because I'm not interested in that sort of music. Um, but I was talking about um, the show that I'm doing and and uh, I'm and what it means, and uh, what it means to me, and what it seems to be meaning, I'm happy to say, to the people who come to see the show. Um, we're, we're into our eighth or ninth show uh, now, and we're beginning to pick up steam. Um, but also, the, um, the atmosphere in the show is beginning to change a little bit as people discover more about it. So we we when was the last the last gig? Well, we're in Philly now. We're doing Philly tomorrow night and the next night. Uh, we were in Cincinnati uh, two nights ago. Sure. And I suddenly got the feeling during the show there that the people who were at the show they realised that this is actually this is a movement. We live in very very difficult times, and uh, so we need to apply ourselves to these times and learn to communicate with one another and to communicate a love for one another and all our brothers and sisters all over the rest of the world um, because we're on a slippery slope at the moment and, and a lot more people are beginning to realize that. Okay? Yep. So the shows are amazing. Well, if you come, and I hope you will, you know, uh, I think it's the 10th. Uh, yep. Yes, yep. next number. Wednesday. Yep. You, you will see it. You will see it for yourself. The atmosphere in the show is electrifying. And Ticketmaster.com, we want to tell people to go to Ticketmaster.com to get the tickets for the show. Yeah, 
that would be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I saw, Roger, that hippie couple in Cincinnati, and it was so flattering to see how much they were into every word, every note. And that video that was on your, your Twitter feed, by the way, the website, rogerwaters.com, that hippie, do you see familiar faces sometimes night at, like you did two, two nights in Philly? Do you, on the second night, do you look out in the crowd and you see somebody that uh, was there the previous night, or do you have people that follow you city to city? No, I don't. Okay. That's the short answer to that question, but the slightly longer answer is the great thing about the people who come to the show is that that they are sometimes several generations, you know, of the same family. But the demographic of my audience, which encourages me no end, is young. The average age of the audience is maybe 30 or, or even yeah. younger. Wow. Which, is, which, which pleases me no end because what it shows me is that, is that um, of course, the Pink Floyd legacy means a great deal to many, many people. But the ideas that are... Um, that live in those songs that I've written over over a lot of years now, um, people recognize that they're real, that they come from the heart, and that they recognize their own lives and their own predicaments to at least some extent in a lot of the songs that I've written over these years. And that is why we've built a community of trust and love. Yeah, well, my son's 15. My, he's got tons of your albums on vinyl. And you were talking about, you know, not listening to a lot of music. But when you were younger, what was the first vinyl record you picked up? Who were your inspirations that got you into music? Well, mainly jazz, you know. I, I, you know, it's funny you should say that. I was thinking about this the other night. I used to nip down the drain pipe of my, uh, to escape my mum, who was a lovely, lovely woman, but she didn't like me going out in the middle of the night, go around to a friend's house. Who's, his mother was Irish, and she used to make us potatoes and sausages, me and a couple of friends. And I can remember sitting listening to Georgia on my mind, Ray Charles, Ray Charles recording of that. And for years, I thought that Ray Charles had written Georgia on my mind. Of course, he didn't. It was written by Hoagie Carmichael. Um, but but it it struck a chord somewhere in my little fifteen or six. Your kid's fifteen, okay? Mm-hmm. I was fifteen when I was listening to Georgia on my. And then you know I worked my way through from the early Dixieland jazz, um, Jelly Roll Morton, Johnny Dodds, and so on. And then and then into more modern jazz and through Bessie Smith and Billie Holiday and all those soulful, uh, you know, women singers. I could go on and on and on, but there weren't no disco in there. I promise you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love that. I love that phrase about. I, I don't get me wrong. I adored the Bee Gees. I thought their vocal harmonies were amazing. Oh, right, they were right, right, right. absolutely. Massachusetts, but I also loved the parody, which was meaningless songs in very high voice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roger, are you the type of guy, because it's been four years since you toured, you know, and are you the type of guy after this tour where you would do a farewell tour? Maybe not the next one or the one after that, but are you the type of guy that would give the fans one more chance to see you when you do decide not to tour anymore? Listen, I'm only 78, man. I've got hundreds of tours. Well, that's what I mean. But <laughs> well, when you're 90, when you're 90, <laughs> and I'm not going to make, I'm not going to project into the future. But obviously, the farewell tour is a complete joke in this business. Yeah, it is. I know people yeah. mentioning yeah. no names who are on about their 
15. Kiss. <laughs> the who? Yeah. Elton. Don't you speak about my friend Pete like that. <laughs> hey, you know, in Columbus, and you did a collaboration with Eric Clapton, who has yeah. Columbus ties. How was it working with yeah. Eric? Because he's coming to town next month. Yeah, he's on the road same time that we are. I haven't run into him yet, but as you know, Eric's a very old friend of mine. And and uh, so when he comes through, say hello to him. Will do. <laughs> yeah, he pl- run into. Him. He was on your one of your solo albums, right? The Hitchhiking. What was that? The pros and cons of Hitchhiking. He toured with. He toured with me. Oh, Eric wow. Clapton was the guitar player in my band for two years. Let us not forget that. Wow. <laughs> that, is your son still playing with you? Is he still in your band? No, he's not. No, sadly, he's not. He's no longer in the band. No, Harry. Yeah. He's pursuing his own career in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. And and with this tour visually, is this one of your – because you mentioned it, and if anyone's seen you, it is visual. It sounds great. You put high production value in this. When it comes to the stage setup, tell us about the stage because you're kind of doing something different this time, right? Well, yeah, well, we're working in the round, and so it, it is – well, well, all you would need to do is go to com and look at the Instagram and the this and the Facebook and that. and Because and, yeah. uh, quite a lot of it is posted there, so you get to see what it looks like. It's an enormous sort of monolithic, it's like a building kind of put in the middle of the arena and hoisted into the air. But it's a giant crucifix-shaped LED screen is the best way to describe it. And it's big. I mean, it is it is very big. But what's important about it, more than its size, is the content, which is we've been working on it. Sean Evans and Andy Jensen and I have been working on it for, well, we got it all ready for 2020. Um, and of course, then COVID hit. And so we had to we had to delay and delay and delay and delay. But finally, we're out here now. And I, I can't tell you what a great time we're having. It's really it's remarkable, and the audiences have been quite extraordinary in their reception of this, uh, of what it is that we have to say. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm afraid it's extremely old-fashioned. It's basically we're saying, you know, make love, not war. We are very, very anti-war. All of these wars, this state of perpetual war that we live in is completely unnecessary. That, And I do make that point somewhat. Well, it needs to be made. Yeah. But we play, you know, we play half of Dark Side of the Moon and the sort of second half of Wish You Were Here. So there's a lot of my old songs, um, as well as a little bit of new material. And, um, well, they'll see. If people, yeah. If people can come to the show, that would be great. I want to see this uh, alternate version, uh, the, how you've switched up Comfortably Numb. I want to see that live. Well, that's the first tune in the show. Yeah. Comfortably Numb. And it's specifically extremely different than the ver- than the version of the record, of the wall, um, so, because that's what I wanted. We we always in the past have used comfortably number as an encore, like it's a big rah rah at the end of the yeah. show and blah blah. Well, it's not like that. This is this is a more. I've changed the key from B minor to A minor, so it's a tone down. And it's kind of it's a somber, reflective um, uh, version of the song, but still very beautiful because the the song is is um, it's a very it's a very beautiful song. Go, I said myself. 
Don't tell the weekend and break. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roger, last <laughs> one. I'm being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, last one for you, Roger. Because so the rumor was you wrote the wall. If people don't realize the movie, and there was a rumor that if you started the movie The Wall on the roar of the yeah. lion of the Wizard of Oz, it would match. Is that BS or is that true? It's absolute rubbish. Okay, obviously. that's what I thought. There's a nice story about a cop pulling. Um, Willie Nelson over in his bus somewhere in Louisiana, and uh, for because the bus was weaving about a bit. Okay. He opened the door, of course. The clouds of marijuana smoke that came out. The poor cop was completely stoned. Um, by the time he got to the private room at the back of the bus, where Willie was apparently sitting, listening to it's actually not the wall. It's Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, that's right. Okay, thank you. And watching. The Wizard of Oz. I'm quite certain that that story is apocryphal and that it's a load of bloody nonsense. But that was the story that was going out. Hey, it's a good story. <laughs> a I'm story. going with it. Yeah. Un- unlike you know, I do know a lot about Willie Nelson and his career and his songs and his, uh, and I'm a big fan of Willie Nelson's. So. Unlike the weekend and Drake. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the tour kicked off in Pittsburgh on the sixth of July. It runs through October eighth in Dallas. We're fortunate we have you on the tenth this coming Wednesday, right here in Columbus. Roger Waters, what a pleasure! You are the man and icon. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks very much for having me on. I'll get back to my breakfast now. All thanks, right. Roger. <laughs> That was great. That was great.